In partnership with the Horizon Track Club, welcome to Expanding the Horizon, a podcast focusing on North American track and field where we recognize the grind and show what happens in every runner's careers behind the curtains. All right, today we have the king of distance running in Canada. You know, he's got a mean range, 147 in the 800 meters. He has a, he just ran a 28-11 in the 10K. He's been to Diamond Leagues, he's an Olympian, and he's paved the way for a lot of youngers that are like looking up to him. He's 31 years old, he's an OG in the game. Lord CPT. Thank you, Carlos. Uh, I don't know if I'd call myself a king, but Lord, I like the Lord thing. If if you can take down a king, a Lord's got to do it. So oh, that's, that's my Xbox uh, and Discord. Yeah, I, mean, I saw Yeah, I, I saw your Discord was Lord CPT, so we thought that was pretty yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah, but I uh, appreciate it. Uh, feels weird to be a veteran at the age of 31, uh, but you know, that's just the way the sport is. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, facts. So yeah, take us through like, where, where are we at right now? You're in Vancouver, right? Yep. You're just training up here. Yeah, uh, I've been uh, I've been spending a lot of time in Vancouver in the last few months and uh, really, really enjoying it. Um, been located in Kits, so been doing a lot of my runs out at uh, Jericho Beach. And uh, yeah, the plan is basically to stick around here uh, all the way until Worlds because Worlds will be in Eugene, Oregon. So it just makes made a lot more sense for me to, to stay out west. Yeah, yeah. so you're going to stay on the west coast for because you're from Quebec. Obviously, for those that don't know, he's from Quebec. Um, you're going to stay on the west coast for most of the summer then? Uh, yeah, probably. And it's one of those things too. <clears throat> like, I don't, I don't really know where my races are going to take me yet. But... Uh, like most of the professional circuit really gets interesting after worlds and that's where you start traveling kind of all around the world or all around north america um so yeah west coast until worlds and then after that might i might be in a suitcase and going from hotel to hotel all the way until uh september and september is always fifth avenue mile sponsored by new balance the sickest race of the year and finish it off with like a nice party so oh nice so with your racing like you were saying most of this stuff gets like more exciting after worlds where's like your favorite place to race more like in the states europe a lot of fast times usually drop kind of overseas yeah i i do like going to europe and uh we might look into going to europe actually before worlds and one of the reasons for that is i kind of think that uh americans are (laughs) i was gonna use the p word but uh (laughs) They're they, scared. They, they yeah. They're 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 scared to they go. They just want to win races, but they don't really want to go fast. It seems like yeah. Like, they they don't they don't want to uh, take ownership of yo, races. Facts. Um, which is a huge problem, and you could probably track down every fast race in the U.S. in the fifteen hundred in the last, literally the last five years, and the fast one that have been run on the U.S. soil were pulled by internationals. Yo, so it was like, either like me, Jake Hayward. Ali Hoare, you know, like... The real maybe, senders, huh? Yeah, guys were, were willing to send it. Uh, but then the mentality for most Americans is just to do nothing and hope that it's fast enough so that your last lap will take you a fast time. Um, which is, you know, if you train that hard all year long, I don't see why it would be your mentality. So mm. going to Europe is actually... I find it a lot more interesting because everybody's in it, you know. Everybody is on the same page about... You know, we want to run standard or want to run fast. So, like, we all go for it. And if someone drops from the rabbit or if the train, if there's a space that opens up, 
everybody moves up. You know, it's just everybody works together to make things fast and people take ownership of the race. Uh, so definitely favorite place to race would be in Europe just because of the mentality. Um, and then we, we, I mean, there, there are some, you know, like differences between cities or meets and all that stuff. Uh, obviously I've done quite a few of them, but, um, I mean, having been in Monaco before, which is, I guess, like the holy grail of the Diamond Leagues, definitely the, an insane place to, to compete. Um, so, yeah. Would you say like the, even just the fans in Europe and stuff, like what's the community like versus Canadian track? Because as you see here, like we're trying to get more hype and stuff in Canada. Is it like just elevated overseas, like in Europe, for example? Yeah, I think the, the fan base is just more constant. Uh, in the sense that people will show up for for meets, you know, and uh, it's funny. I know I know people who live in Oslo, and I know some people who live in Switzerland, and that who are not runners, and they're like, so it's it those people I know from Switzerland, they'll go like, oh yeah, Atletisma is in Lausanne every year, and you know, like my dad staked me before, and you That's know, for, for 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 them, it's part of just the whole like sports calendar, like the same way we. We go see a Canadian or Can Canucks games. Yeah. Um, what do you think is lacking, like regarding that, like in Canada, to make it hype? Because right now, I think like track and field in Canada, like it kind of, it kind of sucks a bit, you know. Like even like for the 10k that you ran last week, like I was there filming. Uh, we have a video on our YouTube channel, and like the race was fast. Like you guys were sending, and there's like not a lot of people, you know. Yeah. Like there's like barely, like barely any anyone watching the race. Yeah, it's interesting. People will show up if it's a big event. Uh, I'd say nationals, people usually show up. Yeah. And like if somehow Canada were to get the Olympics or World Championships down the like way down the road, yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure people would show up because they do for major events. But it's one of those things where culturally, athletics doesn't exist between the Olympic years. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like a four yeah. year where nothing happens. Then they like start watching track yeah. during the Olympics and then they forget about it for another four years. Yeah, and right? I also think uh, it's really not as bad in like, an, obviously BC high school champs and OFSA are huge, but like mm. in Quebec, it's really bad how mm -hmm. the most athletic high school athletes are not encouraged to do track. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in the US, if you're, if you're a savage in basketball or, or in football, you're gonna have to run track in the spring That's true. And, and in that and in that way i mean you build you build a fan base by growing its base in participation and like mm. your broader like the, the more participation you can ever get is by having lots and lots and lots of kids participate in it and there's a lot more volume in that sense in the u.s uh and even like ontario and bc and compared to anywhere else like in north america and you know like if your if your kid plays basketball, football, but then he does track in the spring, and you're a parent, you're gonna go, you're gonna watch him go do track, and then you're gonna be more inclined to follow the sport after, as if like contrary to if he just didn't didn't do nothing in the spring. Yeah, totally. So uh, I think it comes down to just like that grassroots grassroots participation, and um, I I, I kind of believe I, I have this belief. Um, and it's in like most things in life, like if you want to make some changes, it needs to happen, uh, bottoms up rather than mm. top down. Yeah. Right. And, uh, like if you, if you, if your goal is participation, high performance, like regardless of what it is, if you don't have a good base, you're never really going to get there. You're never really going to make, um, long-term changes in my opinion. So yeah. like 
that like base of kids actually doing the sport is probably how culturally you can get people more involved and more into track. I guess that makes sense because there's so many like hockey clubs, so many hockey teams, for example, so that yeah. parents are right away more involved into hockey. But then for track, there's like, you can count on your fingers almost the amount of clubs. Like I remember mm -hmm. even like in high school, we didn't even have a club like where I lived. Like I had to go to like Montreal or something until like my coach decided to open one. But then yeah. you could find like so many like hockey clubs or hockey teams, right? At each school. So I guess yeah. what you said like makes a lot of sense. Yeah, right? and absolutely. Like one thing that's like, the, that's the most surprising to me. Like once you get into numbers for federations and stuff, you start looking at swimming. Like swimming is dumb. You're in a pool. Like you don't do, <laughs> you're like, the only thing you look at is like, this, this like black line at the bottom of a pool and, you know, get you, gets you pretty fit. It's an Olympic sport and, you know, but like, it sucks. Like, I, yeah, can't, I, can't I, 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 I cannot think of a sport that sucks Facts. more than swimming. Because if you're running, it's like, you can go in the trails, you can go somewhere or else. Or cycling to save. But, but, but then bottom line, like, what I'm trying to say here <laughs> is that the memberships in like Swimming Canada, the numbers put to shame the membership in Athletics Canada. Really? Which is like super interesting. But the only reason why that is, is because kids do these uh i guess they learn how to swim true, right? and then true, the true. clubs literally go check out those uh those like swimming classes where like a four-year-old is going to learn how to swim and they're going to be like this kid could be an olympic champion so then the kids actually get into swimming and and like you look at the the base uh like the membership base from ages like 10 to 15 it's multiple times bigger than the membership you'd have it with Athletics Canada. So it's all about like that base early that makes people participate, but also people follow the sport. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. One thing I think is like kind of interesting is like, for example, in the States, like for young people doing track, it's like the track club is the high school that they're going to. Like, for example, you have Newberry Park and stuff like that. But for Canada, it's like if you want to do track, you have to search for like a third party. Like if I wanted to run, there's like at my high school, for example, there was no real track program. So nobody would even want to get into the sport unless they went to like BC Athletics and looked at the clubs. It's like that extra step you got to take, yeah. like it's like hard to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of it is talent detection. And I feel like in Canada, there are, there are no uh, real mechanism in place for talent detection. And like one small example that I have is that my high school ran this uh, uh, charity 5K every year. Uh, so all the school has to run that 5K and we, we get grades in visit because of it. Like we, we had to like improve our time throughout the spring. And then the last test was the charity 5K at the end of the spring. And then, but that is just, uh, talent recognition there because I was this like fast kid that ran hard so my physics teacher was like well we'll get you into track and then eventually yeah. I made it to a club and from that same school you have Jean-Simon de Gagné which is right now one of the best steeplers in the country you also yeah. have Catherine Beauchemin like same high school yeah. you know like same high school in Quebec City and like yeah, the three, and the three, the three of us are right? some of the most talented athletes in the whole province and we all hail from this one school and the only reason why is because there was a talent detection system yeah. just because of that charity pipe yeah we were talking yeah. about that earlier though like you you do like train with a lot of like other high level athletes in laval like younger guys and like younger women that are like really 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 good 
but we were saying how like in Canada in general, a lot of people kind of like forget about Laval and like yeah. forget about runners there. <laughs> and they don't even know like until they see it on the result sheet, like, oh shit, this guy ran yeah. so fast. Like, who is this? Right? I was calling him sneaky racers because it's like, it's not that it's not a talented program. Like it definitely is. But for example, you go to these meets in the States and there's like this one 800 meter runner, for example. Um, I forget his name. I think it's like... Olivier. Yeah. Yeah. And he just like absolutely throws down these 800 times. Yeah. But it's just like these random meets in the States. It's like why don't we hear about that you know it's like the only time i ever see it is if i look on athletics kind of ranking or like yeah just randomly like in terms, in terms of hype it's like in terms of hype it's like i feel like we need to just like put forward like more of the like faster times that are ran in canada in general because we forget about some athletes yeah that like we are not promoted in a sense right yeah i guess it's uh it's easy to either get lost in the sea of results or right. you're just not pay attention it's one like it's one. It's one of those. Track is one of those sports where um, you're gonna like. There's a direct correlation between how much you know the sport and you know this the metrics of the sports and how much you enjoy it. So if you're not really someone that likes to pay attention to details, to times, and yada yada, then lots of results are just gonna go on under yeah, the radar. Yeah, and, for sure. And I I, ju I just think. Like, sadly, that's just the nature of the sport. And, like, the sport used to be so popular in the 80s because in the 80s, nobody had phones, nobody had TVs. Like, yeah. like yeah. people people would take a track program before track meet and, like, they would geek out all the season best and all the PBs from all the runners and try to figure out who was going to win. And, like, the, the, the lack of, I guess, content made, made uh, like times and stuff like that more exciting more, yeah. ex more exciting yeah. and more interesting to people sometimes. yeah what do you think would need to happen right now though to hype up the sport in general like in canada or even in the states like to get more people out there like like you said obviously the base of athletes like in high school if you start from the base but then is there other things you think that could happen to hype it up like i don't know i'm thinking like a reality tv show or something on like track and field yeah, athletes, I mean, like training I camp or something you get to know them or something like that yeah, you know? uh, like I a actually, Netflix show or some shit. Yeah, the, like some some stuff like that would help. Uh, I took part in a reality TV show before uh, the Rio Olympics. Oh, okay. And uh, it, like they just came and filmed me at a training camp, and then at one race, and you know, after the Olympics, I would meet people in the street in Quebec City, and they would just come to me like, like one woman cried. She was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, like what you go through every day is insane." That's so so like, sick. So like. I think like uh, people in Quebec were really supportive of you, right? Like, uh, you absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, after after the Olympics, like for six months, every time I was out in the street, people would recognize me. So that's like, the, I, that's, that's what you that, want. That was, that's yeah, what you that, want. That, like, I'm happy it happened. That's yeah, it. That's that, that, that was quite amazing. But then, like, yeah, a, a show like a show like that could could definitely help. But but like the question is how how you create that content, and then also there are people. You know that are trying to change the sport uh like there was nitro athletics a while ago and i know my my agent he's a big showman and he's like you know like we should put the steeple barriers on fire and like, yeah, well, actually. like that. and and <laughs> but yeah, i think i think yeah. i think it's just like it's it's such a fine line between keeping uh you gotta the, make it entertainment the, core, the, the, the core of the sport like it is like the core of the sport is athleticism yeah and you can't really like I, I don't I don't see the sport going anywhere further from that. But then how do you keep that like pureness of athletics and put a bit more entertainment to it? Yeah. And that's just a fine line between 
not doing em- enough and doing too much, in my opinion. It's a, it's a really hard question. Yeah, yeah. Totally, you, totally. Uh, so you mentioned Nitro Athletics. I remember watching that. That was with all like, the kind of like funky like team events and stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Would you ever do an elimination mile? Like they, I, they had that there, right? Yeah, uh, they had that. I think it would be fun. Uh, the thing is, you got to choose when to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like they, they had an elimination 3K <laughs> uh, at the Continental Cup in 2018 when I was there. So I ran the 15. The 15 was just a straight race. Yeah. But the 3K was an elimination 3K. And I've never seen people run a, like an eight flat 3K and suffer like this. <laughs> like guys like Paul Chalimo, like Mohamed, Stewie McSwain, they were all like jog three quarters of the lap and absolutely send it the last 50 and everybody was so dead and like, and like it was entertaining but it was the continental cup you know like it's the biggest stage don't necessarily want that there was a, i think yeah. you seen bolt was there right was he there not for the continental cup he, the, it, was, the, it was it was he was already he was there for nitro the that nitro was, that's not yeah, that, he was, yeah, he was, he was that, that's in australia yeah. have you ever met some of them like some of like the big like is there like any famous like really really crazy like usain bolt or people you've had interactions with that were sick absolutely i'm i'm yeah, like, i'm uh, I'm, 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 I'm good mates with mo farah oh, oh, really? really? like uh yeah. like he he likes my photos and well i'll chat with him every once in a while <laughs> Um, I will, I will say like one of the most impressive things I've seen in track is Usain Bolt. Like, uh, so I was for like the turnout for crowds in Rio were actually really bad. Um, this like besides the times Usain Bolt ran on the track. So basically people would flood the stadium for Usain Bolt's races and then they would go home. And, and like if you were competing on a day he was not competing the stadium was empty no way but the 1500 was actually always the two rounds I did were before two rounds of 200 oh so it was packed so the stadium was packed for my races but not only that I got to warm up while he was warming up no way and man the, the dude is just a horse like you see you see his <laughs> quads and his legs and it's just like the one like the one thing that like it looks like a horse's leg like he's so massive and so lean and it's just like this absolute unit of an athlete and just like seeing him is was just like unreal that's crazy yeah that's crazy because we were talking even about like meeting like people that are like famous or whatever like i know you went to the new balance like stadium opening right yeah and there's like jack harlow was performing no so i i I, I wasn't there oh you Uh, weren't there (laughs) No, so I was in Flagstaff for a training camp and I had a race in Boston this Saturday and the New Balance uh, uh, girl I work with was like, do you want to come for the opening on Wednesday? And I'm kind of like, I'm at altitude. Like, I, I just need to come in for my race. I'll come Friday. But then she tells me like, you want to come for the opening for, of the track without mentioning any details. Ah. But then like I'm in Flagstaff and then on Wednesday night, I see these stories from like, like all the New Balance athletes there and I'm just like, wait, this is like an amazing event. Like, oh, <laughs> I, I, sh- I should have known better. Like, I should have gone. Oh, shit. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of missed it, but, you know, the New Balance doing big things and... Yeah, that's cool yeah. what they did. That's cool with it. So, yeah. explain a bit that move because you were with ASICs before, right? Like, yeah. what made you like move to New Balance? Like, what happened? Like, you know, like, why, why would you... Uh, what are your criteria of selection when you like actually go with a brand basically obviously you want to get some a big bag right like a decent bag to like survive because there's not a lot of money in track yeah like what else that comes into play yeah i mean it's not like it's not like i was getting offered bags left and right you know like i I was coming off of four years of pretty shitty and injured running right and uh 
Um, like I'm not that, I wasn't that cool kid that was graduating for college anymore. Yeah. So like, you know, def, like the, the value definitely took a bit, went a bit, a bit down. Your stock kind of like went a little yeah, bit down. Yeah, it went down a little bit, not, like to be honest, but um, basically ASICs were still interested in continuing. Uh, New Balance wanted to step in and ASICs, they had a good offer on the table, but uh, the management team changed a couple of times over the last few years and somehow communication with the people that were there, like I don't think they, uh, they meant to be mean or anything or like they, they really were into sponsoring me and whatnot, but like the communication was just not that great. Mm. And as soon as uh, we were talking with people from New Balance, you know, they like, they showed interest. Yeah. The vibe, uh, the vibe was there. Yeah, the, the, the vibe was really there. It was uh, very good. And actually like, like New Balance offer was smaller than the ASICs offer, but it was just like, to me, it was a matter of feeling like I belonged and yeah, being yeah. part of like a, a team of, of people that, that obviously like you feel like they, they care. care. Yeah, they care. Um, mm. So that's why, that's why uh, we thought that New Balance was going to be a, a better fit. So it's like that support system, right? Like obviously you're, you're training yeah. alone on your own. Like you don't really have like a set training group or anything. Yeah. But like how important is like the support system, like your coach, like your, your physios and all that. Like obviously New Balance supports you a lot. Like all of that. It's like a team yeah. effort as well, right? Like people don't really know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they were, you know, they would, they would just let me do what I need to do. You know, like they, they were like, you sign this contract, you train wherever, and you like you do you, you know. Nice. So, I, I, and, and in that sense, I think it it's pretty important. And uh, yeah, they were just genuinely interested in in having having me on the team, and uh, cool. that sense that you belong really really sealed the deal for me. Yeah. Can we just take a second though to talk about the new New Balance kits? Like <laughs> I heard a lot about it on social media and stuff like leading into the 10K you did the other week yeah. and I couldn't find photos anywhere but then when you like whipped it out at the start of the race like that definitely in the previous years I'd say that's one of the top kits I've seen. Yeah, it's it is straight up sexy, man. Like <laughs> dude, I got I got this tan from being 6 weeks at, at in Arizona and like I put this thing on and it's just like you just feel yeah, good like huh? I mean a really skinny runner is not the definition of sexy for everyone, but like you do feel sexy when you put that on. It's like, yeah, this is, this is sick. And like the colors are nice. Like I, I do have this obsession too for, for gradients. Like I think like art Mm. that includes gradients and like, uh, graphics like that. Like I, I I love that stuff before they would put it it ever on a kit. So when, when I knew that it was going to be the theme, like I was pretty pumped about it. And then like you get the kit and you're just like, Oh yeah, this is sick. You're, like you're really like fashionable guy like do you think like there's a place for like fashion to come into track like let's say you had like a i don't know a gucci headband running or something <laughs> yeah. like that, you know you think that'd be dope or because i don't see a lot of like track athletes like put i don't know like hype up like what they're wearing or like having cool yeah. stuff like yeah. obviously like in terms of hype things or like just looking cool on the track in general like everybody thinks all the time like okay craig Ingalls has a sick mullet a stash and all yeah. that but like, do you think there's a place to like be like more sick on the track and like be more flashy in general? Or I think on the track it'd be difficult, and it's like it's the same. Like it's the same. Like if you take NBA guys on on the court, they're not necessarily flashy or like yeah, they, yeah. they got their uniform. 
but because their sport is really popular, they got a bunch of paparazzi. True, and around and like, when like, they're like coming in, they, they, they're in. like waiting for them in the stadium and like waiting for them to walk into like the 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 changing room. So like, if I had photographs waiting for me to get into the changing room, I'd yeah. I'd, I'd be decked out. You that'd know? be sick, actually. Yo, that's that'd be a good idea and, to do and, though. Yeah. And, like and then pre- and then I guess I guess there are there are like pre meet um uh pre meet. There's some like uh, yeah, me, like media day yeah, or like yeah. stuff like that. But then yeah, people yeah, never yeah. really go That's true. at all that hard on those. And which is like, if you sign a contract in the five or six figures with New Balance or Nike, like like, be, like most track athletes will just be like, okay, I'll get like the biggest New Balance. Like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair sit enough. down. But fair you know, enough. like if it's, yeah, it's just like the way the sport is made. We don't really have that chance to like be fly and shine before mm. race. But like if yeah. we could like. I, I'd do it. But I like back I'd then, I remember like seeing like old school like sprinters and stuff. They'd be rocking like gold chains oh, they, and yeah, stuff they, like that. You know, like right. even Edward Moses, I yeah, think yeah. she would run with like sunglasses and stuff like yeah. that. I think that's kind of cool. like last year at the U.S. Olympic trials. I'd say like from a hundred to like four hundred, you you do see a lot of more of like the fashion stuff. But I feel like. I don't know with all the chains and all that if you'd see that in like a five k. Yeah, imagine having five k chains on your neck. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'd. I mean, in a, there's it's it's tough to imagine a pure distance runner like falling <laughs> yeah. out with huge chains, you know. Yeah. Uh, but maybe maybe someone could could do it. Um, I know on the track, I just I'm just aiming to be like comfortable and like yeah. obviously like having a good fit within what's possible. So like yeah, um, like the shoes have to be clean, you know. The, the outfit has to be clean. But then besides that, like um, I wouldn't really have like superfluous stuff just because I want to run fast, you know, and I like, yeah. um, don't want anything to get it in the way really. But I think it's all about the, the before and after the competition. Mm. Uh, and, and then like, if you were to make a show about, you know, like a drive to survive, yeah. but you make it about the diamond league True. and then you follow the guys before and after their races, then you get, there's a chance, there would be a chance for them to actually showcase their style outside of, just a track yeah. you know so like but even these, like the stories these, before these, these are the occasions that we're missing <laughs> yeah yeah you gotta see because like we don't just want to see track like we want to see everything around it yeah, like yeah, the back yeah. the, the behind the scenes stuff I yeah. think is what makes some sports exciting you know yeah. and like even like how you got into Monaco your first time right like that's a yeah. cool story <laughs> I think like obviously like as a Canadian athlete it's almost like you gotta hustle to make your way into some races which yeah. sucks but like yeah. you have a sick story I think to tell with like how you get in, got in Monaco right yeah, like that was your breakthrough race as well. That's where you proved like you were like a runner that's like that deserves to be in Diamond League events and stuff, right? Yeah. So well, two thousand fifteen. That is like most most of the that's people, your breakthrough year still. Yeah, breakthrough year still. Uh, most people listening to this are were probably still in elementary school at this point. That's a bit embarrassing, but uh, yeah, like I had I had a really good uh, beginning of the season, just like waiting for that breakout race. Um, I was slated to run in Belgium, but then at the last minute, the meet director there through some shady politics did not want me in the race, <laughs> yeah, that's even cool. though I was one of the top seeds. Uh, so my agent, who is good friends with the, the, the Monaco meet director, was just like, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to try something out. Like, do you feel lucky? And I'm like, as lucky as it can get, you know, like, and he's, he's, he's like, okay, be ready to buy a a ticket tonight if if you need to and then he calls me back a couple hours later and he's like 
buy a ticket for Nice. You're going to Monaco. You're, you got in the you got in the in the fifteen hundred in Monaco, and don't tell anyone because the wait list has like ten people on it, and you just like bypass the whole wait list. And so like I flew on my dime to Nice, and then stayed in a hotel over there on my own dime, which is like Diamond Leagues usually yeah. pay for that. But the, I had to hide myself and make sure like nobody knew I was out there. Crazy. And then the day of the race, uh, they picked me up at the Nice airport, drove me to Monaco. I got to the track like two hours and a half before the race without my bib, without nothing. It was just like I was scrambling around the state stadium trying to find my bib and all that, those things. Yeah. Uh, and then like, it was just like, once everything was figured out, it was like, okay, well time to warm up. Yeah. And like, this is the race of my life right there. So like, don't, don't screw it up. <laughs> you think that had anything to play with it? The fact that like, you just got, th- you didn't even have a chance to second guess yourself. You just got thrown in. It's like, okay, I'm here. Let's, let's rock. No, I think a lot of people would have choked. Oh really? Yeah. Big time. Oh yeah. Like it the was, pressure was on, huh? pressure was on and you it happens a lot of time people that run super well and then they have that one chance at a breakout and they completely miss it up or like it's i call it a muffin you know yeah, they, yeah. they just make this muffin uh no i was like in the days prior to the race i studied all the past editions looked at the splits uh you got you're yeah. studying it eh? yeah your yeah homework. Like, your I knew, homework was I, I i knew where i had to be in the race to hit the right splits in order to finish the race with a PB. And at this point, I've only run 338. Everybody in the race has run 330. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wow. the fastest I've gone through for a K is 227. And usually the pack goes through in 220. Yeah. So I'm just like looking at the races from the other editions. Like, okay, um, if I'm dead last at 800, I'll come through in 153. <laughs> then guys fall off. So like after that, I'll need to move up. You can pick some up. And, and, and then like I, I had this whole race plan thing. And it's just like, yeah, it's... Tremendous pressure, but it, it, I think that's what sets apart the greater athletes from you know yeah. those that are yeah performing under pressure is the yeah. the big part of being a high yeah. level athlete, yeah. right? Yeah, and like all, that's that's all, that was also a breakout year for me where I was like really hungry and like yeah. really like I had an appetite for trying to prove myself. So I feel like it all worked out, and uh, I like I performed well under pressure. But um, I think a lot of people would have been thrown in there and would have cave for sure mm. yeah so i had a question about like qualifying for big events you know like you kind of hear now they have the whole world athletic ranking and all yeah. that was it the same back when you qualified in the olympics in 2016 it was just standard it was just standard um, so the, the it's funny because the world ranking system as as like it's been publicized has been used for decades by agents and people yeah. at world athletics at, on this website before it was called all athletics or something like that, where you could yeah, look up the stats of everyone. Yeah. There was a section with world <laughs> ranking, but that nobody ever checked. And the like po- the, the points that were awarded for the world ranking were exactly the same as the world athletics, world, like official world ranking now. And agents and companies back in the day would use that for bonuses. Oh, really? So like it's been around forever. It's just it had never been used for for qualifying for qualifying purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you prefer? the like being able to qualify through like multiple different ways now or did you like it better before when it was like you hit the standard and, and then you get to go uh it's it's definitely interesting to like if you're in a situation where you're kind of scrambling for um 
for a standard or a place on the national team and you're left with like two weeks to go and then you're like okay i got these two meets left if i run that fast with that amount of bonus points like how, how will i make it like, it's a it, it's a it's a different like it's it's I, i don't know how i'd put it i don't know if i like it or if i don't like it um but you know like it's one it's one of those things actually last year i had a chance of qualifying for the olympics through that yeah but then at nationals there was like a tornado yeah a windstorm yeah, and like i've i like i've i don't think since 2014 in a time trialed race or with in a race with rabbits i've ever run over 340 since 2014 and then yeah. that day like yeah there were like 50 per hour 50k per hour wind gusts and i run 340 how stressful was that day too because that was like your last chance yeah it, su it sucked because, because it, it's like like you finished the race 340 yeah and then oh if i had run 338 which would have been a walk in the park on, on any other day, day i would day. i would have been to the olympics that's wow. crazy wow i didn't know that yeah th th it was that that short mm. so wow. i mean last year last year i just got incredibly unlucky and like it's yeah. funny this morning i actually broke a mirror so that's seven years <laughs> of bad luck <laughs> so like maybe maybe i'm not out of this yet but like i know last year um that one race i got spiked on the achilles and that was yeah, yeah. took me out for for two weeks Uh, like right in the qualification process. Yeah, that was whack. Like, explain that. How did that happen? Like, you were just like racing. Dude, the peak shape the, the, spiked the, you on the Achilles. Like the, yo, the, the morning, like, the morning of up. the race in my shakeout, I saw a black cat. No, no. And I joking, <laughs> I jokingly told my told myself like, I hope that's not bad luck. Oh, and then in the first 50 meters of the race, that that idiot spikes my Achilles. Mm -hmm. Like, I, like we're we're still in line. Like, just, and it was like kind of like a like. It was a good, uh, a solid race with solid runners, but that runner that spiked you was kind of random in the race too. Yeah, right? yeah, no, like, they no one had a random time. Like we're not in the pack yet. Like it was just like completely out of nowhere. So yeah, I just broke a mirror this morning. So maybe like I'm, I'm, I'm off to do some more bad luck. Hopefully not. Yeah, not in this wood. Would you say you're a little superstitious with your running? Like, is there anything you have to do like pre-race? Yo, or actually, into it. That what's your routine? You... What's your routine and some things no, that you need to do? It's funny because like you start out as a high school athlete, and it's like I need that uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah. that my mom does, <laughs> and then I have to do like. The, these drills exactly this amount of minute before the start of the race yeah. and like you're so picky about how you should warm up and how you should do things when you're back in high school like i need i need like my special socks i need like my yeah. my happy chain or whatever but then you get thrown into like diamond leagues yeah exactly and well, you like, don't have you're, no, no, you're, 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 you're in a meal hall so you don't choose what you're eating yeah. first of all Then you warm up, but then after you warm up, you're, you're basically down, you're right? basically in a call room for like half an hour, yeah. just like looking at each other. So then, like, if you're really picky about having to be moving throughout your warm up, yeah. well, there it goes. Like, it's it's not worth it. Yeah. And then there's also things where, um, if you 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 need that like special pair of socks or like that chain or whatever accessory, you need to like feel comfortable. Well, it's one of those things. One day you just realize you forget it, and you, still you, have for, you, for, you forget it, and it's just useless stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, it's useless stress. So as you get older, like all these superstitions or things that you can't control, and you feel that could sidetrack you, you get rid of those. And, yeah. And the more the morning I won the the bus the BAA 5K, like the bus to bring the athletes to the the course was late, and we basically had a 15 minute warm up. 
And then yeah. I could see people around me like freak out. But I was just like, whatever, whatever. We're all gonna yeah. get fifteen minute warm up. And like, yeah, I'm, everybody's on the uh, same level. Also, every, on the same every, playing every, field. Everybody's on the same level. I'll just do the exercises I feel are the most effective. Yeah. And I'll just kick their ass. Like that's, that's cool. <laughs> you know, like if 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 you let these external things really mess up with you, and like I think superstitions could be could be put in that category then you're, you're kind just of just slowing yourself head, down. Right? Yeah. yeah. Talk a bit about like that uh, sitting down in like the waiting rooms. Have you ever seen like some weird things happen there or like, I don't know, some like stories that are like out of the norm or is there some people that try and like, I don't know, stare at you in the eyes and like intimidate you or something? Is that a thing? Like, I don't know, you know, like depending no, on how the athletes uh, are, what's think, the vibe there? Uh, the ones I've been in have been pretty chill. Um, I guess the funny stories that I have, one would be Canadian national championships Like the Olympic trials in 2012, yeah. uh, ND 800 in the call room, like Anthony Romanu, which is a good friend of mine, yeah. is just like, he talks. And like when he's <laughs> nervous, he can't stop talking. So he's just in the call room, like talking to everyone. And then Nate yeah. Brandon just went, yo, Tony, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, it was like a dead silence in the tent. Like it was, that was actually hilarious. Then at, at, at the Olympics or Worlds in 2015 and 2016, I can't remember, but in the semifinal, I was in like the second section and then they put a TV under the stadium while the first section is running. Right. Yeah. And then like, I, the guys go out in 63 or 64 seconds and then Asbel Kiprop is just like with the other guys, oh man, this is so <laughs> stupid, that's so slow. Like, and people are having a good laugh, like, oh yeah, these guys, like, None of these guys are going to make it on time. Bunch of suckers. You yeah. know? Actually, speaking of Aspo Kiprar, yeah, we, have, yeah. we have a tweet that we we're going to show. We want to hear your thoughts on this. About well, his, like, uh, first of all, like, yeah, what do you think about that athlete? Because obviously he got banned, like, because he was yeah. doping. Yeah. Like, what's your thought about that? Like, how it, like, messes up the sport and all, like, you know, like, should he be allowed back? Like, what do you think about that stuff? Um, I think the should be allowed back thing should be a case by case. Yeah, uh, I don't think it should be like necessarily you've been banned once you've been banned you're banned then you're banned for life. Yeah, I think it should be a case by case situation. Um, I mean, I didn't necessarily have any doubts that he was doping, but it's one of those things where you know, like he gets popped, and then you're like, oh well, there's more guys at the top that do it than yeah. maybe I think I'm I'm, I'm aware of, yeah. and that realization kind of always hits, always sucks. But then th those are also yeah. things you can't control. And like, if you let that get to you, it's just... Yeah. But like, their mentality is a bit different. Like, what do you think about that tweet there? Like, because he <laughs> tweeted that? Yeah. Yeah. He Drugs. I believe there's no performance enhancing drug to run fast. This is just a scam. Give all humans EPO and let them run a 326 in the 1500. There's no doping. No need to lie. It's just very weird. Like, I don't feel like he's making a statement at all. He's just like... It's it's like someone that's very drunk and doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know? Like uh, what do you what if like all the runners were dope? Like what if everybody was doped? And it was just like whatever, like you can just take whatever you want. Like just like, you know? Just I mean, yeah, load would, up. It would definitely not be healthy. Yeah. <laughs> like all, 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 can all you of, imagine? All of us would probably die of heart attacks and stuff like that by the age of 35, which is like three years for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to live a bit younger. Like YOLO, but like, yeah, YOLO, like I want to make it further, you know? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would never let that happen. I, yeah, I, 
don't know what I'm supposed to say. Like, I, I, do not, <laughs> I do not support that. Yeah, uh, no, you, like, you, you shouldn't be doping. You shouldn't be doing this, these things. And um, I mean, I think there's something absolutely um, cherishable and beautiful about pushing the human body to its limit. No, for but sure. But once, yeah. once you have to go with these extra things and this extra helps that uh, kind of like completely destroys the balance in the body yeah. and like that's not, that's not worth it uh yeah so like the people who say let them all dope like no you're, you're just stupid mm. uh, i don't i don't think i don't think it makes sense um yeah we saw like your facebook and i think maybe i no, just your facebook just profile facebook, yeah, yeah facebook it's an nft right so like yeah. talk a bit about that like how did you get into nfts and crypto and stuff uh it's it's 100 gambling so I got into it back in 2016 made like quite some money with it and like right before the 2017 crash yeah. I was like I should probably take out my first investment so like I yeah. let's say I, I put five grand in there so like of all the money I had made I I it took back that you played, five with, grand. You played with the profit money after yeah and then now it's all profit money right. so, um, so that's that's how I got into it and now how I'm still in it now everybody's bleeding really yeah. bad right now like you know it is like it, like we, there's like the, these like discord communities and stuff and it's just like yeah every everybody it, like everybody's hurting right now in the crypto community so it's 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 funny like you it's a good opportunity to make money but then like you can't really take it too seriously yeah, because you get it, like, for fun. My, my opinion so. it's it's all like you you'll talk to some people that are very passionate about it and you know, at the end of the day, it's all a big scam. Like, I'm in it because... It's like, almost like a pyramid, uh, this guy's pyramid scheme, low-key. <laughs> yeah, low-key, uh, low-key, low like, <laughs> low-key, like, you still have to convince me how it's not a Ponzi scheme. You yeah, know? Like, <laughs> like, the people that make it, that make the actual crypto or, like, that create yeah. the NFT, they're the ones that get so much money because, like, yeah. every time you're, like, exchanging or selling or buying, they get, like, but what, they that's get a what, cut that's, from that, that right? That's, that's what I do like about NFTs. Uh, like compared to let's say just cryptos and coins in general is that artists now do have a chance to take ownership of what they true, do true. Yeah. and you know you, 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 yeah, you can make royalties um, like a music artist has to make a billion like a, a million uh, views on Spotify to make like five dollars like it's yeah, so ridiculous crazy, whereas like if, if like artists music artists are starting to get more into nfts and like there's better return yeah and then there's like if you're an artist that does like whatever and you know you make royalties off of every transaction so that means you know like most great painters of this world they got famous like 50 years after they died like yeah, where, where's your where, where your money at dog you know like <laughs> they, they, they like so picasso i mean picasso was probably really popular when he was still alive but it one of those things like he would sell his stuff and then resell, resell, resell. And now like a Picasso is probably like a couple of millions. And like not only he does not, but then his estates probably don't. So yeah, his family, probably, and, his stuff his too, family right? and stuff probably makes nothing right, out of that. Right, right, right. So that I do, sense, I do like think that. NFTs for artists are a good opportunity, but then like my profile picture is, is, is like this little, I don't even know if it's an animal or like <laughs> an alien. It's just like this really stupid drawing. So like yeah. there's there's also like a bit in the same way that like, oh, crypto is a nice opportunity, but like convince me it's not a Ponzi. Yeah. 
Dude. You know, like NFTs are a good opportunity for artists, but then people use them for like these silly drawings. Yeah, no, fair enough. So, I mean, I'm in it just for fun. It's all gambling, in my it opinion. Is, and uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But right now we're bleeding back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah, what's what's next for you? You're going to a pretty sick race the coming Bar up. Barman Mile. Yeah, uh, I'm a late addition to the Barman Mile. Yeah. Um, Who's in it? Who are you going to race in it? Like, do you know the big entries, the big names? Yeah, Jakob's going to race. Okay. Uh, Timothy Chiriot, uh, Abel, Abel Kipsang. Uh, it was fourth at the Olympics. Um, uh, then there is uh, Jake Hayward, uh, Centro, Cole Hawker, Cooper Tier. Oh, wow. Uh, so, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, I think, a, an awesome race. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm just really thankful to be able to open my season on, on distance in such a prestigious race. And yeah. I'm looking forward to it. For sure, man. Just getting that, like, for people who don't know, like, the huge PB, was that, like, 34 seconds in the 10K? Does that give you any sort of like added confidence knowing that now your range is like so huge, you have this like strength all around the board? Do you think that? Yeah, not necessarily like big, big confidence boosters just from that because I, I, I've run 334 in the past probably being in 30 minute shape. Okay. You know, yeah, like crazy. I, I like, just uh, pure speed. Like yeah. Pure speed. In, in 2015, I was more of an 800, 1500 guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but now obviously we changed, we've modified my, my profile a bit and, uh, but I'd say like I'm really confident because I'm just scary fit in yeah. in, in other ways. Yeah. And now it's just like, I'm, if I run a, a two hundred and twenty seven or twenty eight seconds, I like my heart rate doesn't go up. You know, yeah, like it, sure. when you get so aerobically fit that doing two hundred meter repeats is just like playing cards. Like yeah. like that's scary fit. But it's it's another type of fit than being like. You know, really able to smash like like lactic sessions, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is what I did more in the past. So I'm just I'm basically just very very confident in in the, in the fitness, and uh, I'm in a place in training where I've probably never been. So uh, considering the good results I've had in the last year, I'm just excited to see where it goes. Yeah, solid man. Damn. Okay, so just before we wrap in, up then, just I guess like yeah, the Bowman Mile, and then. After that, is it just training till Canadian Nats or is there anything else that like people who follow your career can kind of look forward to? Yeah, uh, definitely looking to race more 15s. Uh, okay. The lack of racing I've had from 2017 to 2021 because of injuries, I feel like I've kind of lost the, uh, um, the, the instincts, like the tactical instincts yeah. of the 1500. So we really want to do a couple more 15s before Worlds so that like, like, I could run a 329, 1500 and get to worlds and get screwed in a slow race. You know, like I don't yeah. want that to happen. You got to be ready for both fast and slow. Um, so we're going to be looking into racing a bit more. Uh, still waiting on to see if I can go to Europe for some races. If not, I'll probably just stay on the West Coast and then, uh, yeah, Canadian Nationals and then uh, Worlds. And uh, still to be decided if I double... 1500 and 5k uh but right now the focus would be 1500 solid well yeah it was good to have you lord lord cpt <laughs> thanks for for uh, being thanks on for having podcast. me guys yeah no worries man